The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the sixth chapter. King Herod heard of the disciples preaching, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet like the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter, Herodias, came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask for me whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, first... I think it should be said that some pastors get to preach about the birth of the Christ child and some pastors get to preach about our Lord's resurrection from the dead and others of us get the beheading of John the Baptist. (laughs) That gospel reading was hard to hear, wasn't it? It is a reading where all but the bravest-hearted gospel readers suddenly find that they need to be out of town. (laughs) And at the end, when the reader says the gospel of the Lord, and we are supposed to respond, praise to you, O Christ, we kind of want to say, really? Where's the good news in that? But... If the Bible was all sweetness and light, it wouldn't be much good to us, would it? It wouldn't be about real life. And God lives right here in our real lives, 
And Jesus didn't come because everything was just fine, thank you. He came out of love for a broken world that needs him, a world where beautiful but also tragic things happen. We're going to begin this morning with Helen Keller. When Helen Keller was a toddler, she had a disease that left her blind and deaf. She grew into adulthood completely cut off from sight and sound. Her parents tried everything to communicate with her, but they were unsuccessful. Then her parents invited Anne Sullivan to work with young Helen, and Anne tried something she called fingerspelling. She devised a code that she could tap into Helen's hand. She tapped the word doll, and then she handed Helen a doll. And Helen realized Anne was trying to tell her something, but she didn't know what. Then Anne tried to teach the word for cake and handed Helen a piece of cake. And again, Helen failed to understand. The two of them worked together for a month, gradually developing a bond and a friendship. But Helen could still not grasp what Anne was trying to teach her. And then, one day, Anne tapped the word for water and pumped water from an old pump over Helen's hand. And Helen got it. Her face lit up with joy because for the first time in her young life, she had a way to communicate with the people around her. It was an enormous breakthrough, and it changed Helen's life, and it changed Anne's life, and it touched the lives of millions who heard Helen's story. Helen Keller became a woman of enormous spiritual depth. Because she had suffered much and overcome much, others who were suffering were open to her wisdom and encouragement. As an adult, Helen said many wonderful things that helped people. One of them was this. Although the world is very full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. Although the world is very full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. The Gospel reading today is not a happy one. Instead, it's filled with suffering. We might well wonder where the good news from God is in this terrible account. Is there something more here than simply the death of a good man? Is there some hope or some encouragement? I want to say, yes, there is, but we need to hunt for it a little. Certainly, we remember the goodness of John the Baptist's life and legacy, how he lived in the wilderness and ate simply and dressed simply in that extreme simplicity of his life. He was ready to hear the word of God and ready to proclaim it. He baptized Jesus, and he pointed everyone to Jesus rather than to himself. His message of repentance and forgiveness and baptism remains with us echoing down the millennia. We continue to admire his courage in speaking the truth to power, even though it got him killed. His life ended badly, but his legacy remains with us. All that's true and important, but I think we find the hope, the good news today, not in John's legacy, not in the account 
of the death itself with its suffering, injustice, and murderous pride, but in where it is placed, where it fits into Mark's gospel. Would you open your Bibles for a moment to Mark 6 on page 915? Mark 6 on page 915, the bottom right-hand corner. This is the gospel reading that we heard last week. And you can see or you may remember that it's about the mission of the 12. You may recall that Mark told us about Jesus sending them out, what to pack, what to leave behind. The two verses just before today's reading are 12 and 13 at the very, very bottom of the page. So, the disciples went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. It was a very successful, life-giving mission for God. It was good news. The disciples were doing what Jesus asked them to do, and people were being blessed. Then, as you see, comes the death of John the Baptist. There's the account of that. And then, look at verse 30 on the top of the second column. Mark goes back to the account of the mission, and he says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. All the casting out and anointing and healing, great things, faithful things, were being done in the name of Jesus by the power of God. So why would Mark start telling a big, wonderful, successful mission story and then interrupt it with this terrible account of John's death with all its gruesome details and then come back to the mission account once again? Maybe Mark did that as a way of reminding us that of course terrible things happen in this life. But let's not be fooled by that, because the terrible things are not the whole story. While John is being killed, something really important and life-giving is going on in the background. God is still working. God is conquering evil and illness. Terrible things do happen. And when we are in the dark times of our lives, we truly need to remember and it is faithful to remember that God is still at work in the world, that Jesus is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. We have a support group here at church for people who have uh, lost a loved one in a particularly difficult way, and those people take really good care of each other in that support group. At the end of every meeting, we pray, and then we hear these words of Jesus. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's what we need to remember, especially when it's hard to remember. Even in the midst of complicated, heartbreaking grief, we try to remember that God is still working in our world. As for John the Baptist, he was speaking the truth to a powerful person and not quietly. He was a very courageous and irritating kind of person. 
We are accustomed to having the freedom to openly criticize those in power, but you couldn't do that then. John criticized Herod for marrying his brother's wife, the problem being that his brother was still alive and that wasn't lawful. John's criticism troubled Herod, but it infuriated his wife. So when the opportunity came, she found a way to silence him forever. Herod killed a truthful and innocent man, just as he and Pilate would later kill Jesus. But remember, in the background, the apostles were out there on their mission, preaching, calling people to repentance, healing the sick. God was not absent, and as one of my seminary professors once said, evil wins some battles along the way, but know that God is winning the war. While a faithful man was being killed, hundreds were being given new life, forgiveness, freedom, and healing. Mark's first audience needed to hear that. By the time wrote this gospel, three or four decades after Jesus' death, the church was suffering terrible persecution. Christians were being imprisoned and killed because they put their trust in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen instead of any power of this world. This story would surely have reassured them God was still at work. And I hope it reassures us too, as illness and heartbreak, as injustice and fears visit our world and our lives. Yes, bad things happen, but we should not doubt that good and holy things are happening too. This world is full of suffering, but it is also full of the overcoming of it by the power and love of God. God is still at work in the world, and God's good, holy, merciful, glorious will shall be done along the way and in the end. In the name of Jesus, amen.